Hello, coffee lovers, and welcome to the God Country Live Video Podcast. Every every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And now, live from Seguin, Texas, and other places around the world, your host, Jose Roberto Alaniz Jr. Hello, coffee lovers. Jose Alaniz, Third Day Coffee Seguin. It's 1900 on Friday night, and that means it's time for God Country Coffee. I'm glad that you're here. We have a great, incredible uh, setup tonight. The guests that I have here, uh, I have such an instrumental part in my adult life, um, and I'm just so excited to have them here. Uh, a couple of things tonight, uh, if you buy the Kettle Bell Black, which um, actually, Brian, you can hit the, uh, if you go to banners and click yours. There you go. You can see it on the bottom of the ticker. Uh, if you buy Kettlebell Black tonight, I will give you um, a sample pack for free. Also, uh, if you put uh, somebody will put it in the comments, but if you use discount code capital R capital F fifteen, that's good for fifteen percent off any purchase on Red Fridays. Red Fridays are remember everybody deployed. Um, and so with that, I like we always start out, I thank God for everything that he's done, not just in my life, but in our business. And like I've said this so many times, I didn't start this business. God gave me stewardship over it, and I'm going to do everything I can to honor that. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guests, uh, senior pastor of the Country Church in Marion, Texas, uh, Pastor Butch Eichels, and my Sunday school teacher and my good friend, Harry Spence, and I'm going to, Harry's got a neat story, but we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. Well, Pastor, welcome. Thank you, ma'am. And, uh, oh, I need to move the, Brian, will you move the, the microphone? Hang on. Technical. I'm sorry I haven't done this podcast in so long that I'm completely rusty. Just give me a second here. I want to make sure that y'all can hear us because, you know, that's important. All right. <laughs> so, Pastor, welcome. Thank you, sir. And I appreciate that you guys would take time out of Brother. your schedule because I know how valuable time is. And, and the older I get, the more I realize that I want more time and, and you just can't make any more. So, so I value the time we have. Uh, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we actually get into some good questions and answers? Well, let's see. I've Started off driving a truck 100, 110 years ago, something like that. <laughs> Went from there into sales for a small company. A large company uh, hired me and then asked me to, uh, I was selling McCormick Spices. Did that for nine years and then a multimillionaire in San Antonio wanted me to help his son run the business. And so I did that for three years, and the Lord really impressed upon me that people were more important than boxes, band, boxes, bottles, cans, whatever. And so I left the job that I had, and it went full-time into the ministry. And that's been over 45 years now, and I've enjoyed it to the nth degree because people make a difference. Absolutely. Thank you for that introduction. Brother Harry. Yes, sir. Tell us about yourself and how how we got at this table. 
born in Germany, uh, came overseas as an Air Force uh, dependent. Thank you for being a citizen. Um, and uh, eventually, my mom sent me to Catholic school, first grade. Uh, we had never been to church together, ever, ever. Never talked about it. And when I got off that bus in Austin, Texas, and that nun came at me with that garb on, I thought my life was over. So to go from there, and I'll just do the fast forward part of this, fast forward to a couple of years later, not, not too far forward, and I met Chaplain Cornelier, a uh, captain in the Air Force, who is the chaplain at Bergstrom. And that's when I became an altar boy, and that's where things really started changing from my mom and for me, because then I was getting her to come to church. So ended up going to the seminary after uh, high school. I was 16. Um, went to Holy Cross Seminary, and I always like to give them a plug. Those are the guys that own Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> Not that I had my eye on Notre Dame as opposed to what I was supposed to have my eye on, but I uh, studied to be a Catholic priest and I was in for uh, four and a half years and I make all, you know, it's very easy to make jokes about why did you leave, right? I mean, they're just a dime a dozen, but the real fact is that, you know, at some point you realize in anything, if you are good enough to do God's specific work, right? I didn't say his work, but specific work. So it became rather evident that that specific type of work I wasn't meant to do. And and all I can say is, and it's, it's hard for me to, you know, you think I've, I've done this a hundred times and I've been around Butch so much in the last 15 or so years, but I'm telling you that just getting into uh, visiting the country church, which they almost had to rope me to get me in there. Because, you know, I was, I came from that generation that, you know, if you walk into a, in a non-Catholic church, you're going to burst into flames. <laughs> They'll never find you again, you know? So, uh, but Butch and his wife, Joni, uh, the people at the country church and, uh, by the way, I don't want to get I don't want to get too Baptist. If any any of my Catholic friends out there going, yeah, I'm holding up a Bible. Don't have a heart attack here. Um, <laughs> but the more you get into this, the easier it is to under to understand everything that he wants us to do. Yes. And uh, the country church is the vehicle by which I learned that. And I'm grateful for it. Always will be. And um, and look, look at this. You and I wouldn't have met. I know. So, circle. So I'll give you a little bit about how I got here, um, and I won't go through most of my testimony because it will be here for at least an hour. But uh, I was one that needed a little extra work. Uh, but <laughs> when I when I first thought that I was saved. Uh, we came to the country church in February, or I'm sorry, we came to the church in uh, Jan late January, uh, December, late December of 2015. And that June, dad had already been 
uh, diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. It's terminal. They could do nothing. But he wasn't symptomatic. And so we joined the church the day that we visited it. We walked in and I mean, we, uh, in fact, we didn't know, but one of Butch's favorite saying is when you know, you know, you know, what is it that you always say? When you know that you know that you know. Exactly. So we didn't know Butch yet. We didn't know that he said that a lot. And uh, we walked up, you know, I'm not from, I was raised Catholic. So when Connie grabbed my arm and started walking up to the front, I was terrified. I was like, I didn't do anything. Well, you know, what did I do wrong? And so we were just, we're going to go join your church. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And so we got up there and, and Butch said, well, that was quick. And I think Connie said, well, when you know, you know. Sure. And, um, and so we joined the church the first day. And then not long after dad asked me what I wanted for my birthday, he was still asymptomatic, still hadn't, didn't have anything wrong yet. Uh, he was still smoking like a chimney. And, um, I said, Dad, I want you to come to church with us. We just went to this new church and we love it and we joined and we're a member here and whatnot. And so we, we, uh, Dad said, well, I'm not going to do that, but I'll, I'll go eat with you afterwards. Like, okay. So at that time we were still in Butch's class. You know, we spent the first, what was it, 13 weeks or what have you in pastor's uh, Sunday school. And uh, I, my wife got a text that Sunday that my, from my mom that, that they were here. And, and Connie said, you better get out there and get your dad in the sanctuary before he leaves. <laughs> and so we did that. And uh, I guess you had asked Connie what was going on. And and Connie told him. And then when, when you did, the, the you know, tell everybody to shake hands or whatever it is, greet each other. Uh, Pastor came down off the pulpit, went straight to dad, shook his hand. And it made an impression on my dad. And so uh, we went to go eat afterwards, and it was the first. I didn't know it then, but we found out much later. It dawned on me later that uh, Dad didn't order a steak. Dad always ordered a big old steak, and he ordered a chopped, a chopped sandwich. And so I didn't think nothing of it at the time, you know. But later on, it was like, wow, he was already having trouble swallowing. He didn't say anything because he was a tough guy. And so fast forward, Dad got sick, went to the hospital the day that – Dad kept saying, I really like that pastor. Give me his email. And so I said, okay. And so I told pastor, we bought dad a Bible. We all signed it. Connie signed it. Pastor signed it. We gave it to dad. And then my mom said, hey, uh, that Bible you gave dad, you know, he's reading it. I said, mom, don't even let him know that you know. Leave him alone. Just, I'm glad. Thank you for calling me, letting me know. And so I called Butch. I said, listen, I need you to get over to dad because, you know, I think he's he's there. And, uh, and I said, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And so anyway, the day that he was supposed to come over, we had to rush dad to the hospital. And so we're in the hospital and dad stopped giving money and going to church with the Catholics when they were moving priests around. Yeah. He got really mad because our, our Monsignor or whatever he was, was trying to raise money for legal fees for somebody that wasn't even at our church. And so anyway, dad got mad and never went back. He would go like once a year on Christmas. And uh, so my mom said, you want to, well, while we're in the hospital, he's like, well, do you want to talk to a priest? And my dad's like, no. And my sister, you know, she's really smart. She's a smart one. She's like, dad, there's lay people here in the, in the hospital that can talk to you, you know, if you need to talk to somebody. And he's like, nope. And he looks at me and he says, I'll talk to a military chaplain, but he's got to be a colonel or better. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to fly you to a combat zone or take you to the Pentagon because you're not going to find them. And so the day that that pastor actually came over, 
my dad barked at him. And uh, I, th- I think he said, uh, he recognized you, right? Yeah. And, but he said, uh, are you a colonel? I said, no, sir, I'm a general in the, in the Lord's Army. And I said, uh, and he chuckled. Laughed he that. did. But he, he let me talk to him about the Lord. And he was willing to pray and accept Christ as his Savior. And that was just a, a blessing and a highlight for me. It, it was for somebody who didn't know. Somebody who thought I was just checking boxes back then. I didn't know. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until John and Will but and I did? started hanging who around. Who did know? Who did know? I knew that I wasn't saved. Yeah. But who did know? Well, God knew. And he put all these people around me and he put us in this church. Exactly. And I always tell people sometimes when they ask me, well, how did you get there from Catholic? I said, well, I was running. He's, and they look at you like, well, I don't think you run. I said, I don't think you understand. I said, I was running from God. Yeah. I ran from God for years. And it and it's yeah, it's hard to run from him now because are you serious? Like, but you know, that's how that's how I got here. I mean, you know, dad came that year after he died, I came to Christ that year. Really came to Christ, not like checking boxes and yeah. Right. You know, going with the flow. No, like I that year I, I surrendered. Like Pastor always says, I bent the knees of my heart and I asked God to come in because I was hopeless. Not a profession, but a possession. <laughs> yes. And he's had a hold of me ever since. Yeah. And I am so grateful. Uh, so uh, the way we usually do this is, is I don't script this in any way, shape or form. Uh, we just talk about whatever we're going to talk about. And I'm so excited to have you guys because I have a lot of respect for you. Obviously, you and I have a great relationship and we get to talk business from time to time. Amen. And then, uh, uh, you know, Will was a big part of my life. Will was a huge mentor. And then he got transferred to North Texas. And then God puts Harry in my life. And uh, now I go up there with a bunch of old guys and they call thank, me. Thank and, you. And, and they, they call me the, the kid. The, 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 the What do they say? I don't know. A bunch of old guys picking on the young guy. But I love it, and and it's a room where uh, I I guess the, one of the most significant things is where my heart wants to be right now. All these guys are already there because there's no more time to waste. No, exactly. we don't have time to waste, and I'm so filled and full in that room. And, and there's so guys excited. there that have wisdom. Uh, I think of Jack, for instance. You know, it's kind of like E. F. Hutton, uh, Jack. <laughs> Well, he's real quiet and everything. Yeah. But when, when he does. When Jack says something, everybody gets quiet and listens. You know, the guy's got wisdom that I'll never have, you know. I have seen myself grow in just a short period of time. I think one of the most significant things happened just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were talking and Harry asked a question. I could tell it was a rhetorical question. He wasn't looking for an answer. But he said something along the lines of, uh, uh, are you still hostile to God? And I said, yes, out loud. I said, yes. And he looked at me like, but but you're not. I go, yeah, I sin all the time. Every time I sin, I'm hostile. He goes, yeah, but you're on bended knee now. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. You know? And so when you get over there in Romans and uh, read about the Apostle Paul, and he said, the things I don't want to do, I wound up doing. And the things that I want want to do, uh, I don't do, oh, wretched man that I am. And one of these days, and I'm thinking of Sunday morning's message already, that which he's justified, 
that is to the Lord were saved. He is also sanctified. He set us apart with its coffee company, whatever the profession is or whatever. He set us aside to be a witness. That which he's justified, he's also sanctified, set aside. But what I look forward to, one day we'll be glorified. And that's the shouting ground right there. Amen. And I'm where Jesus, Sunday I'm where Jesus appeared in the upper room. And they weren't there for a praise and worship service. They were there because they were scared to death of the Jews. You right. know, and Jesus appeared in the midst and calmed them down. And I'm going to tell you, you know, you may be in the lion's den. You may be in the fiery furnace, wherever, but he's there. He is. And he'll carry you through. Amen. Before we get into the next Thanks section, I just want to do a real quick. If you're watching and you're a veteran and you've got issues with PTSD, one of our own Navy vet, she wrote this book. She works for the VA, but they won't let her publicize this book, but I can publicize it. Uh, for her as much as I want to. She's actually been here into this, into the coffee shop and been on the podcast with us. It's called A Soldier's Guide to PTSD. I'll send you one for free if you need that. And, of course, we always we give Bibles away left and right. So if you don't have a Bible and you need one, let me know. And, and before we leave, we'll all sign it and, uh, and Pastor will write something nice for you, and we'll send it to you for free, okay? Um, so that's going to lead into the next topic that I like to cover. And I'll start with you, Harry. Uh, give me one or two of your favorite verses and tell me why they're your favorite verses. All right. I want to make sure. I, so keep me on time here. Okay. <laughs> because now let, let me, let me tell you why, because there's a, there's a vignette around both of these. Um, first of all, let me say this. I was talking to my wife. Uh, I think it was yesterday morning or this morning uh, about scripture, talking about this, what we were going to do. And she said, what is your favorite scripture? And I said, do you have some time? (laughs) I said, let me tell you what is interesting is I used to have a few real pet scriptures that I always talked about. I said, remember, even when we started dating, I shared some of those with you. She said, yeah, now that you mention it. And I said, it was always the same. I said, that's when... You and I started reading scripture, and you both tell me if you think this isn't accurate. The more you read this, the more favorite scriptures you have. (laughs) All of a sudden, if you're really being honest, somebody says, what's your favorite scripture? This one. (laughs) Is that not true? You're right. It's true because they, they all become relevant at different times and have the impact over time that's the one advantage that i can say i'm look i you talk about a latecomer you know to being saved you know i went through all that stuff in the seminary but i was a latecomer that's one reason i'm so grateful because i'm thinking man if you miss that window you might not have gotten another one Mm -hmm. um but let me just tell you this real quickly I got a Christmas gift one year. It's a picture, one of these things from, you know, one of the religious stores. And it had a scripture on it, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on human understanding. And he will direct your paths. I like that. I liked it then. I still like it. 
But when I got it, I thought, where in the world am I going to hang this thing? I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings in case they come over or something like that. You don't hang it up. So I put it, I said, you know what? I'm going to put it in my bathroom, which could make somebody angry. If you said, I put your thing in, you know, in my bath, in your bathroom. But every morning I would read that. So trust. Then one of mine years before that, somebody gave me a clock. And on the back of the clock was Psalms 37, 1 through 3. Fret not because of trouble. Trust in the Lord and do good. Mm. Trust. You see a little pattern here? And do good. Not just yeah, trust. Them. Right. So it's on this clock. So I've got this at a nice office and this clock is, you know, the clock's facing me. And and I was thinking, where am I going to use this clock? I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Here I am again, just forcing it. I really didn't care about either way. But one day things got rough and I noticed that brass plaque on the back, trust in, you know, fret not because of trouble, trust in the Lord. I said, you know what your problem is, Harry? You got the clock turned the wrong way. Mm. And I turn it around and that brass plate for about the next five years, that's what I looked at all day long was that wow. scripture. But now take that and let's put the one big hammer on all of it for me anyway. And that's Job. Job, you know, where he is, though he slay me, I will have faith in him. And, you know, which, what I really appreciated, one of the things that you said was when you decided that you're going to commit at some point in all this, in all this. And it was really more recent than far back. I mean, really relatively recent. I want to say maybe even less than two years where it was, I'm all in. Because it's different, isn't it? It is. When you say you're all in and you really mean it, because you can you can say you're all in and pretend like you mean it, right? Yes. But when you're really there, then all of a sudden, I think you all would agree too, that isn't it interesting that what seemingly is miraculous happens regularly yeah before it was gee i wonder if i'm ever going to get a miracle when you're doing it all goofy wrong way when you're trying to do yeah it. when you're trying to do it and then here you're not really trying to do it but you're praying you know but praying your will be done then all of a sudden like the next morning this is happening and you go are you kidding me you can't even believe it's happening it's that miraculous. So, you know, we're not trying to sow miracles here. No, no, no. But his way is the way. Will used to tell me all the time, he says, uh, God doesn't just want you to give him some of the stuff. He wants you to give it to him all. Yeah. Because yeah. there is nothing that you have that can help him. He doesn't need your help. He owns the cattle of the cows of the hills. He does. And he owns the hills that the cattle are on. Yeah, and you know. so, yeah, what does he need our, he doesn't need our help yeah. at all. And I think we, some of us are, are, I know me personally, I used to say, listen, Lord, uh, I need help with these big things in my life right now. Like, I don't know how to do this. But this little stuff over here, I'll take care of that. You don't need to worry about it. 
like if he needs my help with any of it. Yeah, what's the big thing with God? Exactly. I mean, all little things for him. We serve the God who spoke the world into existence. What does he need us for? So, you, know, you know, I love the country church, and, and I also have a somewhat sense of humor. Maybe warped <laughs> at times, but I still have it. And somebody asked me a while back, they said, what's your memory verse? And I said, well, it's Song of Solomon, the sixth chapter and the 11th verse. And they said, well, what does that say? And I said, it says, I went down into the garden of nuts to see the fruits of the valley. And I said, that's, that's what I've done. And I said, but, but seriously, seriously, my scripture verse, scripture chapter, if you will, is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He's take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise mm-hmm. and the things which are not to confound, confound the things that are, that he doesn't need us. We he just turn him loose, let him do what he does, you know. And the country church is, is an example. There's no way that I could have done that. You know, there and, and people that have known me for a long, long time, they will testify to that. But what the Lord can do, you know, is just unbelievable. It it blesses me and it amazes me every single day. Yeah. Every single day. But all joking aside, my favorite scripture, I say one of my favorites as Harry brought out, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want more faith? Get in the word more. And the more you get in the word, the greater the faith will become. Years ago, we had a young man in the church. Uh, he had a, a, a V-shaped body like this. And I have a V-shaped body, but it's v the other way. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but anyway, this guy could do 200, 250 sit-ups. And I thought, you know, if I could get him, if I could get old Pete to do these sit-ups for me, then I'd develop. You know, and then, you know. Always thinking. Yeah. (laughs) And how to do it on the least amount of effort and come to the realization that he couldn't exercise for me. And there's a lot of us that are trying to live on somebody else's faith. Mm. Maybe our wife, maybe our parents, maybe something else. But we've got to develop our own muscles, our faith muscles, if you will. And I think of a secretary I had, she had a caption on her wall that showed a basket like an Easter basket. And there was a little kitten that had its claws at the top and the kitten was just swinging like that. And under the underneath it was this caption, faith isn't faith until it's all that you're holding on to. Mm. And I thought, you know, over these years, I've realized Faith isn't faith, unless it's all that you're holding on to. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if mine are going to be as, uh, well, I'll tell you this. The other day I was talking to somebody, and uh, he was telling me how he dislikes red-letter Bibles. 
And I'm like, why, man? Like all the all the meat's in the red. He says, really? He says, he said, black letters matter. And I go, what do you mean? He says, do you really think that the red letters are more important than what's in the Old Testament? Or let's let's tear this out then. Let's yeah, tear all of this. That's it. I was like, I mean, the hair on my neck stood up, and I was like, it was a realization. You know, I'm looking at the wrong stuff. Yeah. Why why do you think that's more important? Because Jesus, yes, I want to know. You're not looking at all the right stuff. Well, all of it. And it's and for somebody wrong. somebody who's 45 years yeah. old like I right, was when right. I came and with a Catholic background where I was never really pushed or encouraged to read my Bible. Right. Yeah. I encourage everyone to start with the New Testament. Well, a lot of the New Testament's got a lot of red in it. Yeah. And so you get accustomed to that. But then, you know, then, I mean, some of my favorite scriptures are in the Old Testament now, you know, because I've been reading and studying and and I learn, you know, you learn. And so for me, I have two, I, I just like y'all, I change. So, you know, Joshua 1 and 9 has always been, you know, be strong and of good courage. Yeah, and, you know, be not, uh, do not be afraid, neither be thou dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee. Or they, that's one of my favorite all times. Um but I like a, I like the whole book of James. I mean, I could just quote the whole book of James. I always call James the book of action. You know, James told you what to do and how to do it. You know, and look who it came from. Look who it came from. Man, you talk about bad news for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, all of Jesus' life, this guy was trouble. He was. You know, and his nickname was. A lot of people don't realize it. His nickname was Old Camel Knees. Really? Yeah, because he spent the majority of his time on his knees praying. Wow. You know. Wow. And, I, uh, you told me that, I yeah. think. But I think I was studying Where did James. you hear that? Let's call him no. out on this. No, I think it was in a really book he told me that? to read. Uh, yeah, I think I got it from the seminary. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know where he got it from. I read it because I think you told me to look for it somewhere. I, I've heard that. But my, today, where I'm at with my faith... The most important scripture in the entire Bible for me is Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if you don't believe Genesis 1-1, the rest of this no, book is. is useless to it you. Is. It, you talk about moot. It's absolutely. And so for somebody who's who's a newbie, right? My my second favorite that goes with that one is in Revelation. It's 3.16. It's on my whiteboard right there. Because you are neither hot. And you are not cold because you are lukewarm. I will spit you out of my mouth. That is the bookend, is it? it the right? Bookends. That's crazy because, yeah. because it doesn't make a lot of sense for somebody who's studying and learning. But to me, it makes perfect sense because if I don't believe that first line, then how am I going to believe anything else in that book? Yeah. You know? And so those are my, those are but, my favorite look, two. Look at how long, you know, you were quicker butch was quicker than i but look how long it takes some people to get to that point because the real point of let's say we use yours as the litmus test believing the first line mine was okay i understand it i understand every bit of it took a metaphysics course to understand it you know so i got it down i can get an a in it do you believe it? Well, I'll get back with you on that. Sure. But 
until you get to that point where the surrender and the surrender, you start taking all the scholastics, not that it's not important because you took it in, but it had to go from there. Don't you say this too, Butch? From your head to your heart, 18 inches. If it doesn't get to the heart. You know, I guess what I love about it, I've been pastoring for 45 years and saved before that. Certainly, thank you, Jesus. But uh, what I love about it, it's a now book. It's a now book. Mm -hmm. And it'll help you today. I think of years ago, I was at a good church, but I had a better church. I say better. I had a larger church that wanted me to come be their pastor. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? There's a joke among pastors that they pay more money say, honey, I want to pray about this. You go upstairs and start packing, and I'll I'll pray. In other words, we've already made up our mind. But uh, we were reading through the books of the Bible, and that's what I love to do, Uh, whether I'm preaching through them or whether I'm reading through it in my own personal devotion, is because the Lord speaks to us where we're at at that particular time. And I, I was over in Joshua, which you brought up, And it was where the children of Joseph came to Joshua and said, we're a great people, you know, and the land that we have is too small and we need more land. And Joshua said, if you're a great people, then go up into the mountain and clear the wood for yourself if the land that you have is too small. And it was just like right then the Lord said, you want a larger church? Then build it. Don't don't inherit it from somebody else. Wow. But I can't tell you how many times by reading through the Word of God, there was a crossroads in my life for one thing or another. And it's the Word of God that just gave you direction. Yeah, I, I think we've identified the common elements here. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is, uh, you know, the second verse that I that I like, the one of, of uh, in Revelation, um, I relate that to what you were just saying because you know, a fire, when you start a fire, you put all this wood on it. You talk about it all the time. Yeah, wet wood. That fire is burning so hot and so bright, you know, that you can't even approach it. And so what happens is a fire burns down. I do it all the time when I'm smoking. That fire will burn down, right? And then you've got coals. They may not be Does as everybody bright. everybody know what you mean when you say, when I'm smoking? When you're smoking. You said when I'm smoking. Oh, when I'm smoking briskets on the barbecue pit. Yeah, I just want look. When I'm smoking look, briskets. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that you didn't lose half the audience there. <laughs> so, We're talking so, about cheap cigars. Yeah, right? Yeah, Butch and I have to go now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you're messing with a, with a fire for your barbecue yes. okay. and that fire burns down, you want it to burn down before you start smoking. Right. And so sometimes I soak my logs in water. Right. Before I throw them off. So they'll smoke more. Right. But the, the, the foundation's already there. That fire that burns so hot and so bright to get that whole pit hot is still there. You just can't see them. Right. Unless you blow on it. Then, then you see the embers. Yep. And then what do you do? You throw new wood on it. Right. And so you try to get that nice thick smoke ring. And so. As that wood burns down, you throw more wood on to get over through the night, right? And that the embers never really go anywhere. 
but you're constantly rejuvenating that fire with new wood. And so the fire will never burn as hot as it was when you first lit it. But it doesn't mean it's gone anywhere. Yeah, right. It's actually building because the next morning you've got a huge set of coals where when you started, you might have just had this much. Yeah. So it may not be burning as bright as it was when you first lit it. But now you've got five times the amount of coals that are all but, burning. You know, it's yeah. kind of back to Butch's point. But to get that bigger one, that wasn't magic. No. You're, you're bringing something to it. You have to. You're, you're feeding it. You have to stick your nose in this the every fuel. day. Yes. Every single day. It's critical. You know, there's kind of one scripture, you know, what my antenna shoes or something where it says one size fits all. <laughs> you know, there's when when people come to me with various and sundry problems, I think of Matthew chapter six. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you to get people to put the Lord first and then he'll take care of these other things. You know, we try to cut a deal with God. Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do that. You know, he's not a table waiter. But you, what did we learn in those commandments? Uh-huh. Putting him second. Yeah. That's right. He doesn't like it. No. You know, that, that reminds me of a, of a story my dad told me. Uh, so dad, you know, grew up in the Catholic church, like most, you know, Mexicans do, you know, Hispanics and in the South Texas area, we all went to Catholic service. That's how we grew up. That's how our parents grew up. And so, uh, dad was in the military from 1955 to 59 and he was going to get sent overseas to Turkey. And he knew that was a dangerous area. And so, uh, dad went and made a promise to the virgin at San Juan, the Church of Miracles, they call it. Yeah. And he said, if you'll just bring me home safe, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and visit you and I'll, you know, whatever he was going to do. Are I'll... there any better spiritual deal makers than Catholics? No. <laughs> Nowhere. So, so check this out. <laughs> this is God. This is not the Mary moving or this is not the Catholic Church. This is God. So dad goes overseas almost gets killed a couple of times, has to kill somebody in the line of duty, comes home, and for the next, I don't know, 15 years or so, does crazy things, gets arrested for bootlegging in the dry counties, uh, all kinds of madness, flipped the car over on base, uh, just lots of crazy stuff. He got in like 15 accidents when he came back from overseas. Mm. And you know that every single time he got in an accident, he busted his nose every single time until my grandmother told him, hey, you remember you made a promise? He goes, who did you make that promise to? And he said, I got to go to church. He didn't know. I mean, because Mary doesn't have that kind of power. God does has that kind of power to remind you daily. Hey, you yeah. know, to poke you in the top of the forehead. Hey, but, uh, you know, he in his mind thought, but you know what? He never had an accident a single day the rest of his life. After that many, that after, concentration. After he, went to, after he went to church. Well, those will be some of the discussions we'll have when we're up there leaning on yes. a, a golden rail somewhere or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That'll be interesting. So um, what would you say 
getting to where you're at today as senior pastor, what would you say was your biggest obstacle with your faith? <laughs> Good one. Boy, what a great answer. Wow, that's awesome. I wish yeah. you'd have told me that earlier. I would have stolen it from you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was me. Uh, I was very successful in sales. And uh, you talk about deal makers. I mean, I was a deal maker. Yeah. I'd say, Lord, I'm making a lot of money. And I can give a lot of money to your work and this and that. And he let me know that he didn't need my money. He, he owned the cattle of a thousand hills and he owned the hills. <laughs> you know, he didn't need me. And and so then I got to trying to cut another deal. Lord, if if you really want me to do this, then this or then this. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't make a deal. It's his way or the highway. You know, and and finally in desperation and frustration and whatever. I said, we call it surrendering to preach. Well, the reason you call it surrender, because you get to the point, you just throw up your hands and say, Lord, I can't do it. You know, you do it. And I thought of all the reasons why I, I, I couldn't go into the pasture. And uh, it's back to this. You put him first. He takes care of these things. My mother died when I was six years old. And I still remember... Uh, the Santa Rosa Hospital. I remember an old six cents coat machine that was in the corner. Uh, I remember all of these things vividly. Uh, and there's a point to this. And right now, I can't even remember what the point was. <laughs> but, but, okay, uh, that gives me more time. So yes, throw it, throw it to yeah, me. Go, go from there. <laughs> but uh, but it, it was. Uh, so you were your biggest obstacle when yes. it came yes. to the Lord. Yeah, and uh, lack of faith because, again, we weren't in the Word of God. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How can I have the faith to trust God? Mm. Because it, I, I wasn't in His Word. You know, and, that, that brings something to mind, too, because uh, I know people in my family, which I hope to convince otherwise, but I know people who <coughs> wake up in the Word. They as soon as they open their eyes and put their glasses on, they're in the word, and they and they live by it. And before they go to bed, they're in the word. But they don't know that as a relationship, right? If I spend time with you, you and I have a relationship, right? We all have a relationship because we spend time together. You spend time in this book right here, and guess what? You're gonna have a relationship with that man who wrote it, exactly. who inspired it, and so they know that as religion. They don't know it as, no matter how much I tell them I'm blue in the face, you have a relationship. What's the most important thing to you? God. One thing we've all got in common, we've gone to religious education class. Some people call it catechism yes. and everything. And we learned all about the church, but we didn't learn about this personal relationship with Christ. Right. And uh, what convinced me about the ministry is that people were going to hell without Jesus, mm. you know, and uh, it, it, you know, it, it just began to overshadow everything else. And, and know, it doesn't matter about the coffee company or anything else. It's just one more vehicle that the Lord's used in your life 
You should. Absolutely. You know, we've been uh, fortunate enough to be studying the Ten Commandments, and yes, uh, I say fortunate they are not enough. what you think. No, I, well, it's exhausting. I'm telling you, we're, <laughs> we're worn out, and we're, we've only got two to go, man. <laughs> but um, what's what's been interesting about it when you focus on it? First of all, let me let me say one thing about what you were just talking about. The rules, the regs, the people who do that, no relationship, but who is that a picture of? And I say this with respect, and it also I say it with a heart that hurts, but when you look at the, the Jews, the history of the Jews, just think about it. Here, we were studying the first commandment together going, where did we miss all of these details? Yeah. You know? And then one of us brought up in class where... Can you imagine Moses coming down the mountain with the Ten Commandments and what the first commandment is, and he's looking at his people who are jumping around a calf, a golden calf. I mean, that's for the opening volley of the Ten Commandments. So you've got the, the smartest, maybe not at that moment, but the Pharisees, the smartest of the smart on religion the smartest of the smart and is far removed from the relationship from the relationship and certainly jesus messiah you know yes. still not happening which is hard to imagine but um the um you know the uh, the other part of this when any of us realizes what it really takes, you know, it's it's more than the the seminary, for instance, was you've got certain prayer times. So it's might be four thirty to five o'clock in the morning is this, and then five o'clock to six o'clock is mass. And so you go down all the and it's all that's all there and it's all important to have things on the schedule. We know that. Whether it's business or whether it's spiritual life, it's right. important. So you do that, but if you do that to fill in the box, and that's what I was telling Butch over dinner tonight. You know, he said, well, you know, why did you leave the seminary? And I said, I can make a hundred thousand jokes about it. I've made them all. Why I left or why I got through out. By the way, I didn't get thrown out, but you know, I'll make <laughs> jokes about that. But um, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to have some proof. Yes. <laughs> get me, get my thumb. Um, but the fact is, you, when you realize someday that this is not how you, me, are supposed to do God's work. Now, I thought I knew what I was going to be doing. And the first thing I said was, I know one thing for sure. I'm going to actually have more time to do God's work than all of this other monkey business that I've got to do all day long to fill in all the boxes. I didn't even go to church for I don't know how long. From the first day I left, right, boy, was Satan just going, man, did I hit the homer? I hit that one out of the park, man. He didn't even go one Sunday after he left for years. So it's all of it is commitment. It's all about commitment. I don't care whether you're Presbyterian, Jew. I don't care. It's committing. And then do you commit? To obviously, you know, when I just said Jew, are there Jews that are saved? Yes. 
Messianic Jews, yes, yes, and can be. There's Catholics that are going to heaven. There's all of them. They're all, yeah. There's all over. Yeah. So let's use that what you just told us as yeah. a segue. And what is your single most, in your mind, single most road bump, single most thing that you fought with working on your faith, getting to where you're at? Because I know you both today, and we're never going to be there, right, until we get there. Yeah. So we're going to work on it till the day we die. Well, because well, he's working on it. He is. He's sanctifying us. He is. But we're finally, we've surrendered to him. And we're letting him do whatever he wants. Right? We're hoping that we're doing everything he's asking us to do. Well, and that's what, you know, my answer, you know, I'm I'm reverting back to the other one. Because for me, it's so recent, you know, the true surrender. And the thing is, I don't want to, I don't want to renege on that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to renege on that. And it, and that's, that's a lot easier to renege on than what I did when I left the seminary, you know, because it's, uh, you know, I can doubt it. I can do this. I can go back. I can worry all day. And I'm not saying I don't worry and all that. I'm as normal as I think anybody else. But what I am saying is if I really do believe that if everything goes to heck in a handbasket starting at this minute, will I like it? No. no. If you came up and asked me, am I having a great day? I might say something like, are you crazy? Do you know what I'm are you going out of your mind right now? You know, just you yeah. know, shooting straight. But what I do believe, if this is if this is what I'm supposed to be doing and we know, do you not know when you're following script, when you're following God's plan? Absolutely. You do know that. See, I do. I do and I think you do. I know you do. So I think I do. I don't know if I do. I do know when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be. Well, doing. It, then you do, because it. No, then boom. you do. You do know. Yeah. So you do. So that's my point. So if you have surrendered, and you are doing His will, then if that means that you're going to be Paul in the jail with Silas singing at midnight. Yes. And when I heard, first heard Butch preach that sermon. And go, boy, weren't those guys fortunate and this and that. And they're showing everybody how wonderful. I go, you are on crack, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is the craziest sermon I've ever heard. Because that's getting a little bit too carried away on making the best of a bad situation. But it is the best. It is. It is the best. And that's who I want to be. You know, a lot of people are waiting to, in their own mind, to accept the Lord when they've got everything else that they're aspiring to. And you, I think, quoted a little bit from Psalm 37 a while ago. And I love this part. Trust in the Lord and do good, and thou shalt dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be filled. Now this part here, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Hmm. You know, I mean, uh, and the scripture talks about. That's it right there. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And, you know. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't get it the first time, again, I say, rejoice. People don't realize that being happy and excited and rejoicing in the Lord is as much as a command as any one of the, quote, commandments. You know, it's not a multiple choice. It's not a cafeteria line. Hmm, I'll take this. (laughs) I'll take a little of this. Right. It's, it's a it's a command, 
Because if you do, this is what I'll do. But see, that's why it's so important to not only not take anything away from what you said, but to know more than the first line of Genesis. Absolutely. And I knew the first line, let's say, of 50 different right. paragraphs, okay, or pages. I don't care how you want to phrase it. So I knew that and felt like, boy, I've got a good grasp of this. I know how to do Christianity. I've got it wrong. Yeah. Wrong. If we have experienced what we have, and it's been real, this Ten Commandments study. Yes. This has been one of the most real studies in my entire life. Where it's, you know, when you, just this past Sunday, Butch, we went through how many commandments were violated when David and Bathsheba. I think we, we figured that he did all 10 of them, remember? We, I mean, it, we, there might have been. It might have been nine. Yeah. Maybe one he didn't but do. But all of them, nine were violated. Most people think, well, I, I did one little piece of this one, but they're taking an ax to all these commandments at the same time. But until you until you're honest with yourself and you say, you know, cause I used to do, you know, it's not like, I think I even did it last Sunday. Didn't I, when I said, I'm not sure about this Bathsheba deal, you know, she doesn't know that she's got a hot tub, you know, in line sighted day. Right. Right. You know? Well, that's something she'll have to account. Well, exactly. No, that's yeah. exactly true. So it's not getting distracted with that. But the point is, there's a lot going on with all human beings. We're not the best. I think we know that. We are yes. the worst. And thank God that God has mercy on us. And the Ten Commandments were never given to save people. Right. They were to show people how lost they were and point them, the scripture says, mm, to the know, Lord Jesus In Christ. the right direction. Yeah. That's He's, the, the law is a schoolmaster, uh, and it points us in the right direction. Somebody told me one time that the Ten Commandments were like a chain, and you're hanging over a cliff on this chain. If you break only one link, you can say, well, I didn't break the other. You know, you're going down. You know, all it takes is one. That's right. So that's one of the things that we've been learning is that uh, and it reminds me of one of my other favorite. I used to tell people all the time that John 15 and 13 was like a soldier's prayer. You know, it says uh, greater love hath no man than this, that he give up his life for a friend. Well, that fits in perfectly with a soldier. Right. right? Yeah. Sure. Sure. But but when we started doing the Ten Commandments and we started looking at them, not as the simple one-dimensional uh, words that were on that page, well, we started looking at them like, what do they really mean? You know, I started studying my favorite scripture. That was, that used to be my favorite scripture. It's not anymore because I, I think Revelation 3.16 is more powerful, but um, that's where God's got me right now. Today. That's right? right. So, but that scripture, the more I researched it, the more it wasn't so much um, that I'm going to lay down my, physical life it's i'm going to lay down who i am to be what god wants me to be to serve him to glorify his name Amen. you know and i don't matter i need to you know i when i pray every morning i ask god empty me of who i think i am and fill me with who i know you are you know because um, i started the morning a, while, a couple of months ago and uh in my quiet time, I said, Lord, 
uh, let me talk to somebody about you today. And uh, so I did my amen and got in the truck and I was headed to the post office. And I saw a guy there that's even older than I am. <laughs> and uh, name's Methuselah. No, but uh, <laughs> I had been to his 80th birthday, I guess, and he was like the Italian godfather to me. I mean, he watched over me, he protected me, so on and so forth. And uh, I went and talked to him at, at his truck. And I said, uh, uh, Vic, I didn't realize that many people loved you at this birthday party you had. And so we said a few things, and I got back in the truck. And it's like the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I thought you wanted to talk to somebody about me today. And I put somebody right here. I said, Lord, I already talked to him. And he didn't turn me loose. I got back out of my truck, and I go to him, and I said, look, uh, we've been friends a long time, but I've never really talked to you about the Lord. And I'm afraid that I'm the one that's going to get stuck with your, your funeral. And I said, you know, I'm not going to blow a lot of smoke. I need to know where you're at with the Lord. And he shared his testimony. He said, Butch, he said, I've received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And boy, what a blessing took a weight off of me. <laughs> because I've been asked to do some people's funeral. But the nicest thing you could say about them is they were a member of the basketball because yeah. there wasn't anything scriptural, biblical, whatever in their whole life, you know. And what a joy it is. Either one of you guys drop dead, you know, and I can stand up there and stay with assurance that this old boy has accepted the Lord. This old boy has accepted the Lord. And that, you can't take for that. You can't take for that. You know, thank you, Butch. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, uh, recently, thank I, uh, you for you. I want to make yes. sure not thank you for the compliment. Thank you. I uh, I was on a on a Skype with my grandson in New Zealand, and um, uh, for such a long time, I've always and I don't have enough money to be a Taiwan. Okay, I just am. And every year, I would send Connie to New Zealand because I didn't want to spend the money. I'm like that's a lot of money. I don't want to spend that. You know, I can't spend that. You know, it's not like I had a bunch of money in the bank. It, it didn't matter. I was still being. And and so last, I guess, two weeks ago, in the same week, God put four people in front of me that kept, like, sticking their finger between my eyes. I'm like, are you stupid? Are you real? Why are you not going with your wife? Are you dumb? I mean, when was the last time you saw your grandson? Eight years ago. And so this went on the fourth guy. He's a retired senior chief, Randy. Uh, McKnight from from where I work and he came right when I left the company he showed up and so I knew him a little bit and I know he loves the Lord and so I, I bought him the book utmost and so he and I get to share that at work sometimes and Randy said if you died right now if you died right now what would your grandson say about you you talk about taking a baseball bat to the forehead. Yeah. Because the only thing I could think of was, well, he bought me this guitar and he bought me these cars and he bought me these walkies and he bought me this and he bought me that. That kid has no idea 
that I love God more than anything else, yeah. that I put God before my wife. He has no idea. My daughter, when she was six years old, bought me a plaque, I guess from a Christian bookstore, and uh, got it for Father's Day. And I don't think she has ever realized the impact that it had on my life. I still have it uh, on my desk. And it says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Ooh. And, and, six years old. Yeah, six that years old. That is awesome. And I'm not saying she said, I want to get my dad this profound. Understood. Life. But what's curious is when we talk about these miracles, yeah. Most people talk in terms of when you look at a six-year-old plaque yes. difference in life that makes, and even the way she is when I say now, you know, I mean, I think she's got some fire. Yeah, 50, <laughs> I think 50 she's some years old now, and, and uh, since the time she was six, yeah, both, of, both of my kids, I've been so blessed uh, in so many ways, but we're going to round this thing off, and what I want to do is, uh, Harry, you'll go first. I want you to, if you were talking to somebody and you didn't know where they stood, how could you convey? Because here's the thing, and I know we all agree on this. There's going to be a, a, a ton of moralistic people who do all the right things, give all their money to charity, Super nice people. They never cussed, never touched a drop of alcohol, never said an unkind word to everybody, and they're still going to go to hell. Yeah. So what, with your experience and your knowledge, would you tell somebody who was either on the fence, like we talk about all the time, or just completely lost? How would you convey to someone how important it is to get right in here well just from I, I want to make sure there's no I don't intend there to be any pride any arrogance in my answer okay I had a lot of dedicated years in the seminary it's gonna give my life to the Lord um, spent a lot of my brain cells studying for all that um, and had high aspirations even I'm going to be up here you know when they asked me what is your aspiration as a Catholic priest and I asked this it was a shrink priest and he said uh, and I told him I said has there ever been an American Pope and this guy you know, <laughs> this guy flipped out he said you're kidding, aren't you? You're thinking about, you want to be Pope? Is that your aspiration as a priest? I said, sure. And he said, we got a lot of work to do with you. <laughs> but anyway, my, my point is, I was in that part of the world. I, so I would tell somebody, I thought I had the boxes filled that I needed to fill so that if I died at that moment in the seminary, even in my first year, I would have said I had more weights on one side of the balance than the other. So I'm going to heaven. 
and that's so I'm good. I'm good. And I'm telling anybody out there that if that's what you think, or you're not even thinking it at that point, but you think you're okay, but you don't know that you're saved, there is nothing more important than to bow the knees of your heart, as you've heard that phrase tonight, but to really do that. And when you are really doing that, anyone will tell you the same thing. They don't even think that bowing the knees are enough. It's like you want to get on your face. You're so, it, you, you know it. You can feel it. That's where we belong in relation to God. And what a gift to take those few minutes, if it even takes minutes, and to know that if anything happens to you, your next, I loved it the first time I heard it, and it was at the country church, your last breath on earth, your next breath in heaven. Mm. What, what greater gift is there? And it, and your life is better. There's not one person at this table for sure that'll tell you none of our lives is perfect, but it sure is a lot better than it was. Amen. It's my turn. It's your turn, Pastor. <laughs> I, I was really polite in letting you share all of that. But I could, I could feel you coming. Did yeah. you steal his thunder? I, I, no. I, <laughs> no. Listen, my favorite question is, if you were to die tonight, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you'd be with the Lord? Absolutely. Yeah. I do. And, and that's the question that I want to ask everybody. If you were to meet the Lord tonight, and and he was to ask you, why should I let you in heaven? What are you going to tell him? You know, if you can't tell him, I've received, accepted you as my personal Lord and Savior, you're not going to make it. You've missed the boat and everything. It's all about him. It's all about the Lord Jesus and and receiving him. You know, I can I can offer you this pen. And I can tell you, it's a really good pen. It writes good. I bought it. I want you to have it. When is it yours? When I take possession of it. When you take possession. I can shake it in your face, <laughs> you know, until the cows come home. But until you reach out and take it, it's not yours. It's a gift, but you haven't received it. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would never perish, but have eternal life. It's receiving that gift that he's done for you. Now stop. That's incredible. I'll tell you, uh, for me personally, if I had to tell somebody, um, when I met Will Davis, who actually surrendered to preach in our church, um, I learned a lot from that man who was 15 years younger than me. And he told me one time, the most significant thing that I still to this day when I try to talk to people, he came out here one day with his boys to hunt, you know, and he was leaving. And, and I told him, I, we were talking about, I don't know what, and I said, you know, I said, I used to be in this organization and I used to set up these huge events, you know, five, six, 7,000 people. I'd get the food donated. I'd find the money. I would organize everything. I could, I could do it blindfold. And that get up there and rally will crowd up and have them fill a bucket full of money for me. But when it comes to walking across the street and telling my neighbor, I have no idea how to do it. Yeah. He says, are you crazy? You know how to do it. 
And the Bible tells us that God will give you what you need. He's an asset for that. He'll give you that knowledge. But but we're so trained, we're so by our culture to, I don't want to hurt so-and-so's feelings. And Will said it like this. He said, we're willing to tolerate people straight to hell instead of telling them the truth about God. Yeah, beautiful. And that just stuck to me, you know? I love the part where Jesus told him two different occasions, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And what convicts me is if I'm not fishing, I'm not following. Ooh, wow. You know, and we're called to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. We are. And I'll tell you, folks, you know, a lot of the people that I work with, you knew me. Before I got saved and my family that knew me before I got saved. And it wasn't that long ago where I had to have a meeting with pastor because I got good advice from somebody that said, if you think God's really pulling you to do this, then you need to sit on it for a year and we'll see what happens. Because if it's truly God, if it's not just you, you won't be able to live with yourself. And it got to a point where I couldn't stand anymore. I had to go talk to pastor. And I was like, listen, I'm being called, but it's not possible that he's calling me to do anything. Because I'm filthy. I know me. I'm not good enough for that. And now I'm in my third year in seminary. I'm still a sinner. I'm not any better than anybody else except that I know who my father is. I know where I stand and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Do I do it all the time? No, I don't. I don't. But we're human. There's only one person ever walked this earth that was perfect. It wasn't me. And I will never judge somebody because James told us there is but one judge, one who can give life and one who can take it. Mm. And it's not me and he's not of this world. So I really appreciate you guys taking time. There is no doubt that I love sitting down with both of you. I love our conversations about business or horses or whatever it is that we're talking about. And and, uh, Harry, you know, Will got transferred and God put us together for a reason. And um, it's been a blessing. It, it has been a huge blessing for me and the group that we have. And I really appreciate your time. I know it's, you know, Friday night is a family time with uh, mama and stuff like that. And and uh, and I, you know, I I used to say all the time, well, I have to go to work tomorrow. I don't. God blessed me with a really good job. Yeah. And I get to go to work tomorrow because I'm able because God gave me that job. And so uh, like we always say, uh, we always close our, our show. Uh, treat each other the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. Catch us here next week. I'm not sure how we're going to do it. I'm going to be on the road. Uh, But we will have God Country Coffee next Friday at uh, 7 p.m. right here on YouTube and on our Facebook channel. So until then, God bless each and every one of you. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Amen.